Hey y'all, welcome to the Bright Dream Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Laura. We're going to do just kind of a quick check-in podcast today. Laura is actually in the midst of a Shut Up and Write research day. And for about 30 minutes, she's going to not shut up. And she's going to talk and not research. So Thank you for this gift, Senor Jackson. Yes, gift and or major distraction. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what um, Paul feels about it later on when he's trying to be productive and you're over here talking to me and, and instead. So. Noted. Okay, so um, before we go too far, I want to do, do a quick, um, uh, I don't know, update. So what to expect, maybe some things coming through this particular feed. So soon in this feed, there'll be some short uh, research podcast, and they'll have a different title of like maybe research one, research two, something like that. So it will look different in the title so you know what they are. But Laura and I are working on a research project with some um, other professionals around podcasting and professional development. I guess that's how we can yeah. say the, the subject is. Yeah. And we're recording those conversations, which are much larger conversations because we typically talk for at least an hour, if not an hour and a half to two hours Um around uh, the research as we're, as we're getting started and framing the questions and, 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 and going forward. And we're not going to like publish all two hours, but we will put like, you don't need to know my conversation around Fitbits and, and, but you should a distraction around them. Um, unless we have like, I don't know, Fitbit outtake. Um, but, uh, we are trying, I am trying to like edit it down to like a, th- like 30 minutes of like a useful conversation, I want to say interesting, but you know, research is only only interesting to like a smaller group of people. But um, hopefully, interesting, hopefully useful of how we're kind of working through and approaching uh, this specific research topic. So um, those will start uh, popping up pretty soon. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like the behind the scenes, behind the music, behind the research. Um, helpful tips that you might take away and maybe use or think of if you collaborate and work on different kind of research projects. Yeah. So that's coming up. But for this one, um, I'm, I'm just doing a quick distraction of Laura, and I have a few questions. Basically, I need to talk through my philosophical dilemma of, uh, of audiobooks. <laughs> Who knew this would happen? So, Is this based okay. on a text that you may have sent about reading versus listening? Yes. So the first question, because sometimes people, like, I want to talk about a book. And I'll say, oh, I read Daring Greatly recently, but did I really read Daring Greatly recently if I listened to the audiobook? Does Brene Brown do the narration? Uh, Daring Greatly, she does not. She does do it on Rising Strong, her, I guess, her follow-up book to that. I wonder why she didn't do the first one. I don't know. I I do have narration questions. All right. Cool. That we'll get to that we'll get to in a second. Um, so no, so she doesn't do uh, the, the narration, um, and I'll say a friend of the podcast, Julissa Arce, does do the narration in her book, which I do think makes the book. I mean, hearing like hearing like the voice, uh, like all the things she goes through, like hearing her voice, and you can hear it kind of like. Um, like like the the deeper meaning in her voice, like a narrator probably wouldn't have done that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have done. I may I may have like felt the same thing of just reading it, the analog the analog version of the book. So right. hilarious! I think you're going to ask the question about 
is listening, reading, and reading, listening the same thing or something of the sorts? So you actually just answered that in your, you're talking about who narrated the books. So my question before I answer that is, does the reader influence the reader or the narrator of the book influence your interpretation, meaning, understanding, grasps of the material? Caveat, you're also reading books that are nonfiction, so that's a difference versus fiction. True. Um, and do they take or make meaning in how they narrate, so interpret, so it's a different medium like podcasts. So is there a different kind of sentiment, tone? Is there something else expressed? Um, you've kind of already answered that a little bit, that influences what you're listening to, quote-unquote, reading, in air quotes. Um, so that's kind of where I think there's a difference in making meaning yourself and reading from the words from the page to making meaning from someone else reading to you. Because here's the here's – I mean because partly I, I don't want to say – Oh, I've read all these books when I listen to them, and like I don't want to be a fraud, right? Like I want to be like, um, I guess I don't know, honest in how I consumed it. But then it gets to, to a deeper question of like, well, is it really a book, right? Like, is a book really a set of audio files versus like um, paper or like something in print, either paper or a like a, a you know digital PDF or something sure. like that, like. So it went from like print to electronic books, I guess, right? With like Kindles and PDFs of, right. of books that way. So thinking about the modes that you just spoke about, yeah, your ask is bigger than a book thing. It's like how you're consuming knowledge and what does that mean and how you're making meaning, I think, comes to mind. Um, so less about the book. If I were trans transferring my Marshall McLuhan, like the medium is the message, right. is that the case? Is there differences in a text interpretation versus reading? Yeah, printed books that are hard copy, hardcover, and I have actually been purchasing more of those lately. Like you went to the other extreme media format of a book or e-reader, and then I've gone uh, sorry audio, and I've gone from anything digital to my quote unquote analog books and I travel with them. I read them and I flag them and they all sit beside me right here. And yeah. I think it depends on if you read is medium, the message, or did you listen to medium as the message? <laughs> True. The transcript oh. versus. Yeah. No, I yeah. So it's really weird. I've only been doing audio books for a while and I have this book. I'm doing this, uh, training with my, my church next week. And I should have like read this book. A while ago, that they gave me to read, and I haven't brought myself to do it. What's and book? it's called Subterranean with a guy named uh, Dan White Jr. Okay. Um, and so I, I really like. I heard him speak, and I really like him. He's unlike a lot of Christian authors and thinkers. Like he's very, like grounded in his neighborhood and cares for the people in his community. And so it's it's uh, like I'm interested to read it, but like I haven't gotten around to do it yet. And so, um, so I've probably listened to like three audiobooks in the meantime of, of doing that. Well, you're doing that at convenience because I think it does take time and focused energy. So I read, as my book, um, No Is Not Enough, Naomi Klein. And I read that on an airplane because I could focus my attention. So my, yeah. I had a trip this week to Louisville. And I, I really think that concentrated attention is what you're getting at that you're not distracted. It's not taken away from you. 
is to focus on textual materials to make your meaning, it, it is a lot more complicated. So I can listen to like you, an audiobook or a podcast and consume it while walking a dog, doing something else. And that's what I think you do. And we're being multimodal instead of focused on. So the question is, is it a book or not? But how much of your attention is dedicated to really understanding? And I caught myself a few times. I had like one chapter of this book to read when I got home and I was like, okay, focus. There's nothing like there's other distractions yeah. around. And I think that that's something a lot about how we're taking in um, just information. Okay. So then, so I had the question, I think we answered this. I had the question, like, would you say you read it or not? Okay. Get that. But then it was like, if you're asked, like, oh, have you read Daring Greatly? What would you say? Yeah. Hmm. I consumed it. <laughs> I listened to that book. I probably yes. say I listened to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, reading a book, like an actual textual book, and I, I've done this with my Kindle as well, is I actually make notes or not notes, but I flag things and I make I actually have post-it notes in books that I do go back to because I've read something and I want to remember. And so if I use it for not just research, but just something I'm thinking on or putting some ideas together. So I have a series of books on, um, and I'll be writing hopefully about this, but the future of work and the skills and the, and the developments of where we're going and how we see learning and work in the future, um, that it really want to connect the dots. So I am reading them as a, hard copy, quote unquote, analog book. And I think it helps me remember more. So I make notes and I, and that's different than listening to it. So how much of the book would you remember later? So there was a study, I think Paul Eaton shared on his Facebook that the content that people remembered between just digital, so a Kindle or an e-reader or an iPad versus an analog um, consumption was different. How they read it and and retained knowledge was different, and I've been thinking about that a lot more. So that I'd, surprises me. Like like I could see I could see like uh, reading versus listening, right? Sure. But you're still reading, right? So there's something about the electronic modality that's, um, I, I, yeah, maybe because you're not taking notes in the in the margins, you're. I mean, I wouldn't think it would change like your level of like re being reflective or something like that. But yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And I didn't think about that either. So because I find a Kindle, like I have a plain based early stage Kindle that I can read from. It's pretty uh, not distractive. But I, now that I think about it, the books I have on there are probably not as greatly used as the visible, tangible books that I have in my office. Um, so, but I also like the fact you can pick up a Kindle and leave with like 50 books versus having to pack and travel with, uh, those same amount of books. Cause I could read pretty fast, but, um, I think it's hard. Do you listen to books cause of pace? Cause this is something I've talked with my partner. Do you listen to him out of like, you read them quote unquote faster? Uh, yes. I listen to it typically. Wait, do I listen to it faster or do I listen to it faster than I read? Yeah. That is a second. Um, I listen to it a lot faster than I read. Yeah. And I wonder about how we consume things. So with new Apple podcasts, they're going to have some statistics on how people listen to podcasts. So yeah. do you speed up? I actually have a couple different ones sped up based on pace and annotation of a speaker. Um, or I wanted to go through it, but I also have, I appreciate the podcasts that have had, and we've talked about this in other episodes, 
transcripts or show notes because yeah. I have gone to their website post podcast and or gone to an email that they send me, which is great, what, that goes with their podcast. And I really do appreciate the extra reads and follow up. So I do remember, I think I do remember those topics more when I've read or yeah, further learned on the knowledge or repeated the knowledge in a different way or different format. So I didn't think about this until now. I always listen to podcasts at normal speed. Mm-hmm. I never listen to books at normal speed. I listen to books at either 1.25 or 1.5, depending on the the narrator or the reader and how fast they read normally. Do you think the narration in books that require them to read slower, just the fact that it's an audiobook and they're trying to meet all mass? Probably so. Like I, I, it feels like when I go back to normal speed, it feels incredibly slow the way they narrate the book. And it's, maybe because I got used to it being faster. Yeah. But it seems like a lot slower when it gets to like normal speed. Like 1.25 seems normal. Yeah. So like one, for podcast, it's one. So, right? Is that what it starts at? One. Yeah. Yeah. And then I might go 1.5 or two. So yeah. your pace is uh, reminds me of a time – Speaking of narration, we get used to audio um, perceptions and experiences based on what you grow up. So I have a father who's originally from Italy who uh, was born there. And, and the Italian language is quite fast-paced. So we have lots of romantic languages that are pretty quick. His interpretation to English is also fast. So he went to a kind of a like annotation speech therapist to slow down his talk. And he is like... This is how they want me to talk because the rest of the world is slow. And I, it drove me crazy. And I was like, uh, can you just talk normal because I'm just used to your own pace. And it is really how we think. So thinking process as well as reading process goes along. So I, I suppose that's why some people when they podcast or maybe do keynotes or talks think about pacing and slowing down to ensure that everyone's getting the message because we all receive this like idea of communication. We all receive and interpret and decipher messages at different paces. Um, by the way, I'm reading Rob uh, Chernow, I believe is his name. Chernow. I'm going to say Chernow. Um, I should know. Um, who wrote the book on Alexander Hamilton. Okay. Which then the Broadway play was um, – Based on, well, it's the, it's the book. It's the book that that uh, he was reading. The thought, like, oh, this would be a great product play, um, and it's. I, I imagine it's as long as a dictionary. Mm-hmm. If you like went to buy the analog version of it, but the audio version of it. So typically, audio books are like in know, five parts or six parts. Each part is a little over. Is about an hour. It's an hour and twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on part 13 of 29. Um, so it's an extremely lengthy book. If you actually sat down and read this book, kudos to you. Well, um, super fascinating you, story. More fascinating than most founding fathers. So most books that you listen to sound like autobiography or nonfiction sort of reads or listens. Is that right? Yes. I'm not a fiction reader and or am I not a fiction listener? So it sounds like that's the mode that you get used to. And maybe that's probably why it's quicker for you because 
I have a lot of nonfiction I read. I have some fiction, but probably more nonfiction these days because they're coming close to fiction, but it's become a reality. Okay, so um, I think <laughs> I think it's what you were used to. Um, but did you read nonfiction growing up, or did you read any fiction? It, you know my my reading habit. I mean, I read a lot more now than I did growing up. So it was a book like Groups of Wrath, which was, you know, fiction, but in a like a true historical context. And that's a context which my like, grandparents um, like got married in and grew up in. And my, my dad was born during that the, the Great Depression time period. So so like. Yeah, so I've just never enjoyed uh, fiction at all. So everything's always been like nonfiction, historical based. Sure. Um, yeah, and I've I've read or listened to quite a, a lot of like a, a lot of books honestly since I started this in March, um, like maybe thirty, twenty, I don't know. There's a lot of different titles here. We have a iHeart Libraries episode. I think it's episode eight. Yeah, that we talk about this because we talked about like the renting from the library, and um, my partner asked about Audible because it's attached to Amazon. You can purchase books. And I said, do you know that there's this wealth of, have you not got to podcast episode eight to learn about the wealth <laughs> of the libraries yet and our love of them? And I think the idea of getting back into reading, and this happens for those of us who maybe have life things happen. So you have um, a new someone in the family, a child with or without fur, you have maybe a, a job change, a job transition and a move, or you have uh, some crazy idea to write a really big paper and do a thesis or dissertation. So I think um, sometimes you don't get to choose some of the reading that you get to do, but I've always read um, probably more fiction growing up and nonfiction in my dad's office, which would have been history and economics and finance books. And like whatever I could find, I would read. So I think your exposure genre, like I'm not a big sci-fi person because that was never a genre I really grew up with and reading, but I'm, I'm open to it. And if there's a recommendation or read and I, I try to think of like, what do you go to as you kind of grow up reading? And it sounds like you stayed with the nonfiction history. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this is, uh, I'm going to get back to the, uh, the narrator or the reader of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, many books I've listened to have been narrated by the author, yes. um, like Malcolm Gladwell narrates his books. Um, I think Sheryl Sandberg narrated lean in, I think um, so but, too. but, um, but maybe not. Um, and then like Patrick Lynchoni, who is my, one of my favorite, like leadership type authors mm-hmm. um, has someone else narrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he writes is very interesting. He creates like a narrative around an issue, like a narrative about a, a, a fake company and fake people who have like horrible meetings. And so he writes like the five dysfunctions of uh, no death by meeting is like a, a book that he wrote, he wrote oh, and, that, yeah. and how, and how like you should create, how, how to have like productive meetings. Right. So he's like a very interesting writer and a good writer on even like the, the narrative, mm-hmm. the fake narrative around it that gets to the point of, of why to have like these, these good productive meetings. Um, and so he has someone read that, and it's interesting because they're they're reading both like male like there are lines and quotes and like both like male and female uh, um, 
characters, I guess, mm-hmm. if it's a narrative, right? So uh, characters in the in the book, and so he has to use that to be pretty skilled to to do that and not just sound, I guess, monotoned and read it at the same uh, uh, pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after a while in, though, I read, I went to read. Um, one of Chuck Klosterman's books. I was actually just going to talk about that. So go. Which book would you read? What what Chuck Klosterman book did you get to read? And go. Because. Which one? I, which book did you read? I first heard Chuck interviewed by Bill Simmons. Yeah. So super familiar with his voice. And has a and has a very interesting voice. And you can almost hear him like think when he talks, right? Like he's mm-hmm. like, like, and so he's a very interesting guy. He has a, a, a interesting perspective on the world. And I think it was, what was his most recent book before that one? I wear the black hat. Okay. It wasn't that one. No, sex, drugs, and cocoa pups. I was actually going to pull. So I have his book, literally both of them here. I was going to talk to him about him. Stop reading my mind, Jackson. So, but so you heard him before the book, right? Yes, yeah. So I was super familiar with him before I ever read one of his. Listen, went to went to listen to one of his books, and he is not narrating the book. No, that's not true. I wonder which book that was. He narrated another book. Uh, he narrated. Which which book was that? Sorry, you cut out. What book? The the sex, drugs, and cocoa puffs. Oh, like, okay. He, he does narrate that one. And so maybe it was I Wore the Black Hat. He, he narrated that one as well. Okay, so it must be a different one. A Decade one. of Curious People and Dangerous Ideas? No, that was brand new, right? Mm, it's not that new. The new one is... Oh, What If We Are Wrong? Yes, that's, that's the new the, one. Yes. Okay, so that's the first one I downloaded of his. Okay. And, and it was narrated um, by a British female hmm. reader. And since I'm so familiar with his voice, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there was not that there was something of a different gender, but gender and different like nationality. But in my head, I keep trying to like make it sound like him, but it's nowhere like near him. Like I had to like, like I'll get back to this later. So I haven't finished that book yet. So that's funny. So I was going to talk about Chuck because I had never heard him, like, heard, I've heard of him, but I've never heard him narrate or talk. So, oppo- so you're opposite than me. I'm opposite. Um, I have later, so I Wear the Black Hat is the only book I have have an audio book for him. I got a free load from Audible, free download from Audible. But, ch- yeah, so Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. So these, this is the book I was going to talk to you about, hearing voice in someone. So not hearing him first is kind of got me situated for like how I think he talks it's like reading the book and then they've interpreted it into a movie and it sounds and looks different so your issue is you already know both content as well as narration and so you're like I'm adverse and so the book that you downloaded which I curiously also bought in analog format um I haven't started it yet but uh is not him so you have an aversion to it yes because because most books I've like I've probably listened to more um, female authors than male authors okay. since listening to it, and so I don't think it's the fact that it's a gender. I think it's the fact that it's like it's just 
very different than him, mm-hmm. right? Because Brene Brown's first book was not written, read by her, but it was like a, a different female. And Patrick Lane Coney's book was not written by him, but it was a different male. And so like, I guess I can trick my, I guess I can try to trick myself into thinking of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was interesting because for his, it was really hard to do. So I think one person, like I've listened to several David Sedaris books. Mm-hmm. Me too. Like those would be impossible to, to listen to if it was someone else, anyone else. Because the uniqueness of his voice and his delivery of his stories yeah. is makes the he like like adds his like background thoughts to them, and so it's it's kind of like like everything like everything around it, right? Yeah. Like, waiting in line behind a couple at Starbucks is not like really funny until he's talking about all the things in his mind, you know, this this happening and the way the way he portrays himself. And this kind of self-deprecating style like makes it uh, like really entertaining to listen to. See, I can read that, and I found that entertaining. So I read that first, and then he comes annually to Texas and Dallas, specifically around uh, Fierke's birthday, so we usually go every yeah. year. So I read that story, and I thought that was hilarious reading it. And then he read it aloud, the Starbucks story at the yeah. community college or university you went to. And, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe you're lacking some uh, creative voice in your inner head there, Jackson. Maybe so. Maybe because when, when I read, it sounds like me. <laughs> you have like a little picture of you in a podium yeah. reading the book in your head? Now, now, he's probably one that I probably could read okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's – maybe that is a bad example. But <laughs> the example to say – um, he's a unique voice of an author yes. and the way he expresses himself. I mean, his voice in general and then the way he expresses himself and the way he, uh, will like go into a part and over enunciate some words and, uh, the way he kind of mimics his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like he has like a certain style that's really interesting and entertaining to listen to. Yeah. And I guess now that I've heard him, you're right. Like when I read it, I hear his voice. When I read it, so he has articles in The New Yorker and random things like a story about his Fitbit use probably spawned our own use. So please use that extra episode somewhere. And I think like he goes around most of East London picking up garbage and has over twenty to 30,000 steps a day. So, yeah, I think what? you've I'm said it, though. Garbage, but I haven't heard it on this Fitbit, though. Oh, that was an art. You have to read that one, though, like with your own Read eyes. it? Yeah. No. Do you want me to like, a, narrate it in his best, my best impression of Sedaris? I may like send him an email asking if he can record it and send it back to me. It might be read somewhere. I'm not sure, but um, I'll find the article for you. I'll put it in the show notes. So, I mean, I do read. Like, I actually recently, though I've already canceled it. We got an actual newspaper subscription. <laughs> I also, come from the library episode. Keep going. I, yes, I actually enjoy reading like a newspaper printed on newsprint. Mm-hmm. But it costs like a thousand dollars. No, it does not. Patrick. It, it's it, it's 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 almost like forty dollars a month to get a daily newspaper delivered to you. Okay, that's, that's which kind of pricey, I guess. Yeah. And if you think about like you know there there's a printing press, the people working, and then it gets taken to someone's house, and then it gets driven around the neighborhood to your front porch, yeah. like. It, it's probably worth the price and, and not to mention all the people who wrote for that. Right. Like it's probably worth the price. Um, it's just, 
forty dollars is a lot of money for me. Yeah, no, um, it's kind of like a a part of a gym membership for your mind. That's how I think about it. Right. Um. So you answered your question about narration, just for nonfiction at least. Um, I have one fiction book I haven't listened to, The Hunger Games, and I have that in my audiobook selection, um, but I haven't had the chance to listen to it for whatever reason, because I think I need to be engrossed in it a bit more if it's a fiction book, so that's probably why I haven't listened to it. Just like when I read a fiction book, I ha- I'm fully into it, and I could s- sit in one reading and give me a few hours, and I'll be done. So I don't know if I haven't picked up audiobooks like you as much because I like the smaller episodic podcasts or other bits and pieces I can get. Reading, I'd like to put that in a place. So it's a weekend somewhere or I'm commuting or I'm on a train and I think about those spaces to uh, lock in my headspace to read. And you said it, narration changes how you think about that information a little bit or who it's coming from or how it's coming from. Yeah. I think you're still reading loosely. If that makes you feel better, I uh, yeah. Um, I have enjoyed. I I've really cut back on podcast listening um, because I mean I only have so much time, sure. right? And a lot of this is like, like I'm not crunching numbers and like working with Excel, right? So I can I can listen to something um, at my desk for an hour or two a day sometimes um i i can't things like the hamilton book is far too dense to do that like i can't really keep up with it um so i can have like a podcast on it or something like that which is uh been good so yeah well you said it keeping up so people get worried if i have a bunch of podcasts i haven't listened to i'm behind and that's another thing i need to keep up with with the rest of your work and you're right like i haven't listened to all podcasts. I've been more selective about the ones I subscribe to, even though we keep adding more each week. Um, and I think you've said it like you can consume what you want to consume, but sometimes you need no no space. So you, I have to sit and work in silence or go out for a walk in silence and listen to outdoors every now and then instead of yeah. just putting information in us. Like there, you need a mental break from the noise, right? So before we go and before you go back to um, shutting up and writing, mm-hmm. um, I do have an interesting podcast recommendation. Okay. So this is a recommendation if you have kids um, or maybe if you're really immature <laughs> also, but probably if you have kids. Uh, NPR has a podcast called Wow in the World, and it's, uh, it's, it, it, is going, it covers different areas of science and hosts Mindy someone – I don't remember her last name, and uh, Guy Raz of mm-hmm. Ted Radio Hour. And so they do a podcast um, called Wow in the World, which my kids love. I have a six- and a four-year-old, and they uh, they both love listening to it. Cool. It's, uh, inter- like, it's super entertaining for kids. They learn something when they listen to it. I learn something sometimes when they, when they uh, play it. So um, they do two episodes a week. The weekend version is longer. And then there's like a kind of a short, um, like midweek episode too. So wow in the world. Um, I have some podcast recommendations. One of them I blogged about because I started thinking about how to best interview. Let's say we were going to invite anyone else on our podcast again to interview. Who's just as amazing as Julissa or Chris. So one was around um, interviewing. So Jesse Thorne, who 
um, brings on folks, and this is in conjunction with Columbia Journalism, um, the University of Columbia, at Columbia University. Uh, the Turnaround is the podcast, and he interviews everyone from Ira Glass. This is his first episode, and I think Jeff has listened to that one. Heard it, and, yep. And, yeah, Jerry Springer, um, Audie Cornish from NPR, Mark Marin, who does interviews with, I guess, general comedians and, and, and other fine folks, and even Obama actually interviewed. And then, so I picked up and I put some notes, and I'll put... I made some notes on my own blog about things to consider when you interview, whether it's for a podcast or a research interview. So I've been thinking about that a bit more. And then the other one is Dot Future. It's a new Gimlet. Did you have you heard this one yet? Have not. It's a Microsoft and Gimlet uh, branded podcast, and it's about some different things. I think it's akin to um, Reply All in a different tone and kind of. The other podcasts that I listen to are Note to Self and Spark, and I've mentioned before. So it has different things around data and health, um, securing the battlefield of the future, so cyber warfare being it. So not long, usually under 28 minutes, and they talk about a different issue. Um, Last one was on gaming and the, the way that indie games have made their way and how they've helped with storytelling and things like that. So it was pretty cool. I'd recommend. Cool. Oh, and the question for the listeners is listening to a yeah. book really reading or not? Mm-hmm.